Hey guys, Trevor here with Writer Leaf, and today I'm sitting down with Christian from Natural History. He's going to be the national sales director for that amazing brand, and we were able to talk about some of the difficulties and the issues that come with marketing in this industry, as well as just a little bit more general cannabis conversation. I think this podcast is going to be a great episode for you guys that are new to the market because we don't dive too deep into the theory. But for those of you guys that have been around for a little bit, there's still something for you to pick up and learn. How's it going? Good, you? Oh, good, man. Just getting home from a busy day at the office. Are you guys getting anything good going right now, or are you getting ready for harvest soon? Um, well, we're we're harvesting. Um, we're probably on a rotation about every two weeks nice. for different different cultivars. The way we've we've set up our operations, uh, at least the one the facility here in um, in Alberta. We're, I don't know if you know this, but we're getting ready to um, merge with another facility in Ontario uh, under Agmedica. Oh, nice. Um, but they're all going to come under the, kind of the, the Atlas, the Atlas brand of, or, you know, I guess the company will still be called Atlas. They're just kind of becoming under our umbrella and joining our team. Yeah. Yeah, I can I it's just one of the other brands in the in that Atlas umbrella, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's good. I mean, they have a really they have a really nice facility. There's a little different cuz they do um they do like vertical stacks. Oh, exactly. different than what we do, but still a nice facility and like their cultivation team is is knowledgeable and like they know what they're doing. Well, that's that gives you like a huge starting point, especially if like SOPs are changing or anything. If they're knowledgeable, they'll understand why you're doing little adjustments. It's like, oh, you guys just roll with your nutrition system this way, or you guys have found success with your strains or genetics this way, right? Like it's. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a good match um, because we we both bring good strengths to the table. Like we bring a lot of the. Um, the genetics and, and the science behind it. Like, you know, just because our guy spent so much time researching and, and he spent so much time pheno hunting. So the quality of our genetics is, is awesome. And then they bring a lot of just um, how to grow while trying to keep costs down, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, consumers also don't like to pay a lot of money. Yeah. Like a lot of high, you know, high-end price weeds. So we're trying to like find that sweet spot of, quality genetics quality cultivation but at the same time not uh you know not force consumers to pay ultra high prices for it oh exactly and having the ability with like i was able to visit my first vertical stack based grow and i could see how it's more efficient because if you've got two genetics that are running and you've got one that's a little bit more a little bit more hungry for the light you put it on the base because then you have two additional lights. They're not providing a whole bunch of extra light, but there's some yeah. extra getting down there, right? Like yeah. I can see the benefit of it, especially for smaller facilities wanting to do multiple genetic runs at the same time. 
Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, we're, we're pretty excited about it. Um, it should be happening in, in like the coming weeks, like everything getting finalized and then starts the fun stuff of just trying to integrate the two, the two cultures. Um, so yeah, man. Um, yeah, I don't have like, a, a, I don't know if there's anything in particular you wanted to talk about. Uh, you know, we just wanted to show some love because we see all the support that you always give into to natural history. Um, so, you know, whatever you want to talk about or dive into, you know, let me know. Well, I, I appreciate that, man. It really does mean a lot hearing that you guys see the benefit of, of what I'm doing, because it definitely gives me that drive to keep going and kind of keep the reviews up and keep reaching out and doing more of these podcasts and this type of content. Yeah. I mean, you, you've grown your audience pretty quickly there. I've seen, I mean, I remember when you were just kind of starting out, um, and, you know, I remember the, the early days. So you, you've grown your audience pretty quickly, I'd say. Yeah, it's especially with like battling the little bit of restrictions that are there in the in the cannabis industry, too, especially when like I'm dealing Instagram and YouTube because they're the largest media platforms right now for what we're doing. Yeah, so I've got to I've got to kind of hold the line with what I'm posting like I I've got a lot of people that I've watched and I'm like I see that interaction I see what you guys are doing I've seen you hit the 10k and then lose a page and then you're back up to 7k and you lose a page and now you're now you're back with me around that 3500 on Instagram and you're just realizing that oh those those high peaks those rushes that's what's collapsing you like you're getting recognized it's like, yep. okay, something's going on. It's like within cannabis, that's the sad thing is it's got to be the slow grind. Like it's got to, you got to be that quiet little slow grind in the in the background, just popping up yeah. every once in a while. Right. Like yeah. That and that's grind. kind of been our approach is like, cause we we see it too. We see people like, you know, they, they all of a sudden get a lot of, <clears throat> get a lot of following, but then you're kind of at risk because now they're paying attention to you more. And the minute you slip up, they're going to flag you and, you know, freeze your page or just take it down altogether. So um, yeah, it, being a cannabis company or anything cannabis related on some of those bigger platforms can be frustrating. Right. You know, like I, I had a conversation um, with a pretty large platform where, you know, their content producers, right. You know, I'll say it's a, a streaming service. And that their biggest, you know, their biggest podcast dudes are just smoking blunts, right? Live, like on the show. But, you know, when it comes to advertising, oh, no, that's where we draw the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What they they bring in the revenue. But yeah. <laughs> your guys's revenue isn't anywhere near the same of what they do. Right. Like there's got to be a certain yeah. amount of zeros behind that first number before yeah. it's like eh, okay yeah so I, mean, we're, I think we're in the same boat as you as like we're we're looking also just for like what's the future you know we understand that where the big platforms are right now and we'll continue to put content on there but i'm also just looking for other opportunities where you know our our attention and our time will have a bigger return you know what i'm saying you know it's like but for the same amount of time that i'm gonna spend on an instagram is it better used elsewhere? Oh, exactly. And as much as LinkedIn is friendly for the cannabis industry, it's all professionals. You don't have that 
public outreach, right? So it, you end up speaking, you end up yelling into that echo chamber. It seems like yeah. more than anything, you get a lot of interaction. I get a way more immediate interaction on LinkedIn, yeah. but it's professionals who are thinking the same way that I am or working on a similar problem that I am that are hyping, piping right in and enjoying the conversation because they're trying to solve their own problem. Where yeah. Instagram, you're trying to do that public outreach. You're trying to get that kind of finger and finger and foot in the door where we're not quite talked about. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of why I, I I like to connect with with folks out in the community because I see what they're doing, uh, and I want to promote that, especially you know if they're local to us because Atlas and our brands like Natural History. You know, we're, we're founded and headquartered right here in, in Edmonton. And it's surprising that in, in, even in our own backyard, there'll, there'll be stores or bud tenders that like, oh, I didn't know natural history was from Edmonton. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's our fault that we're just not making enough noise in our own backyard. Well, it's Edmonton is honestly heavily populated with gross. Like realistically, out of all the like singular cities that I I know where a lot of the grows are, Edmonton seems to be like very congested with a lot of quality grows at varying size. Yeah. It's like you've got two flower rooms that partake and then you've got, I think, <laughs> Uprise Rocks, like four or five or six rooms, yeah. depending on the part of the year. You got, I'm not sure how many rooms you guys have. Freedom's got a big facility, right? Parkland's got a decent sized facility, right? Like, so there's such varying size that it's, it's, it's interesting. We don't have weed related tours in Edmonton right now. <laughs> there is, there is opportunity for that. And for the most part, like, uh, we know a lot of the, the other growers in the city. Um, I mean, we've even partnered up right sometimes they'll um they'll do some growing for us like we'll lend them out some of our genetics yeah uh, as kind of how it's been in the past especially for you know smaller like micros that are just kind of getting started or maybe they just don't really want to get into the whole sales and marketing side of things because it's just that's a different beast right like some people are like i just want to grow good weed i don't want to deal with all the provincial bodies and the sales and the marketing and all that stuff well, and it's only been what six months since everyone was grandfathered in with their sales amendment. So, yeah. how many companies got their their, their CRA license? Because that seems to be the last thing you get. It's not your yeah. Health Canada thumbs up for grow. It's your actual revenue agency tax number. Then, once yeah. you have that, then you can start growing. Then, at that point, you're you've spent. How many, how many millions of dollars, depending on the size of your grow, just yeah. to get set up, right? Like, at the Yeah, I mean, just to give you some context, like we, we started construction, I'd say um, like middle of 2017. So our facility is um, out towards Alberta Beach, uh, kind of like in the gun area. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and we own like 150 acres of land out there. It's all ours. And back in the day, this was like, you know, before 2018, we're all like, oh, we're gonna build like multiple facilities on all this land. And then you learn like, okay, maybe we need to pump the brakes a little bit. 
Let's focus on building one great facility. So we got about 40,000 square feet. Um, we have nine different rooms, but six of them are grow rooms. The other ones nice. we use for different purposes, like the mother room or, you know, bedrooms. But six are just dedicated for growing. And that's how we have this kind of two-week harvest rotation. Yeah, that's perfect. <clears throat> um, and I mean, we we use like every single square inch of that facility. <laughs> like, no, no, there's not one spot of that facility is not being used for something, whether it's packaging or trimming. You know, some of the stuff we've even had to outsource if it's not growing. Like we've started to work with some, you know, local guys here like, um, uh, like Token helps us on some of the packaging. Um, so I think we really try to support other local cannabis related companies or just, you know, if it's a dope local company, like we try to figure out ways to, to work with them. Um, back around 420, I don't know if you remember Burger Brawl. They, they would do like these crazy burger uh, yeah, recipes. I think, yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so for 420, like we teamed up with them and they came out with like a Tallyman burger. It was like a oh, spicy. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing that. It was so good, man. So, you know, it was like... People were, were ordering Tallyman burgers on Uber Eats. It was like buy one get one free. Nice. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's the type of community reach out that the cannabis industry is kind of handcuffed because you have to be really careful with how you're doing it. But yeah. that's exactly how we would do it because it'd be like if the companies the lps had a little bit more of the revenue they'd be feeding back into the community immediately just to be making noise about who they are especially yeah. the smaller community the smaller based grows like yeah it'd be really interesting to see the kind of like almost monthly mini events that would happen with those companies if they had the revenue to be able to to provide a little bit of flow towards that right Absolutely. We, I guess, have been, instead of trying to play the game that a lot of the, you know, the bigger guys, the way they do it, where it's, uh, how do I put this? They, they pay for data. Yeah. <laughs> you know, aka, like, that's how to get into some of the bigger, bigger chains. Like, we can't play that, that same game as them. It's like, we'll lose that game. So, a lot of ours has been more of that grassroots guerrilla marketing type of thing. Like if we see like there's a cool event going on in a particular city like Edmonton or Calgary, you know, it could be like a tattoo expo, could be like a hip hop show, you know, something where it's like we feel like there's <clears throat> there's going to be some cross promotion, you know, where the, the culture and the vibe aligns with, let's say, natural history, then it's like, you know, I'm I'm tapping the shoulder of some of my team and be like, we're going to this event. We're going to have a bunch of samples to hand out and stickers to hand out and just chat with them. And, you know, like, you know, you, you put a, a face to the name and, and you start talking about the brand and we're passionate folks about like what we do. And then all of a sudden you, that next time they go to the store, they'd be like, Oh, I'm looking for natural history. Well, exactly. And if, and it's also getting a little bit of an education and a little bit of awareness about it because there's that stigma is more than alive out there. Right? Yeah. Like it's its own little monster that everybody in this industry has to battle at some point in time or another with 
questions we get asked or the way we get looked at after or while we're smoking outside right like yeah but for us like we think that handing them a free sample is way better than you know don't get me wrong like swag like hats and t-shirts like those are cool but a lot of times we just think our product speaks for itself you know you get them to try the product and they'll 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 believe you know like okay this is good stuff yeah exactly the the swag are the swag almost is more for the people who love the product to the point where they're repping it and talking about it and promoting it for themselves exactly especially with cannabis the sample makes a huge difference because if someone smokes it even if it's not quite what they like if it's what their buddy might like they'll go hey i tried this you should go Mm -hmm. pick up some pre-rolls it was decent it's just it it hit me a little bit too hard here not my biggest fan but i know you like those type of those type of strains go try it out right like even if you don't get a customer that way and it's a quality smoke, they will recommend it to somebody who they think will enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like not every, not every cultivar that we grow is going to be loved by all of our fans, right? Like you loved the meat breath, right? Yeah. Uh, I, th- I thought it was a phenomenal cultivar, you know, even thug pug <laughs> commented on one of our grows and we're like, that looks pretty good. Yeah. Our like our master grower and chief sciences, they were like that like <laughs> made their year when Thug Plug connect like commented on one of our harvests, right? Um, it just didn't catch on here in, in Canada. But um, you know, I, I guess sometimes you gotta keep in mind as much as you want to pay respect to the legacy market and honor the names, like we also have to keep in mind that some of these like cultivars called meat breath or garlic cane it's like the name just not appealing, right? Like, yeah. as opposed to like an LA Kush cake or, or, or Supreme grapes. Yeah. And that's, it. that's exactly where I was going to go with that. If we brought this up in conversation, I'm like the name seemed to be my hardest selling point as a bud tender, because you said it and it was either a selling point or the shutdown point. Like it, because you, you could tell who are the OG, the, the original smokers. Cause they're like, Oh, meat breath. That's almost yeah. like trash can kush. You're going to see <laughs> like anybody who smokes heavily and likes a good yeah. heavy smoke. They're like, oh, trash can kush. Sure. Let's line it up. Let's try yeah. it out. It's probably going to be something dank and super stinky, right? Yeah. But so I think I think moving forward, we're still going to try to, um, you know, honor the lineages and continue to like show who the breeder was and and pay that respect but you know if it's a matter of just slight slightly tweaking the name in order for it to at least get people to try it right i'll give you an example we're getting ready to um, release guava bars in a couple weeks in ontario Uh, guava bars the name itself doesn't really tell you much Mm -hmm. unless you know the lineage but it's cross of biscotti with guava 74. so guavas being you know, a very flavorful tropical cultivar. And then you got the biscotti, you know, the, from the cookies fam, which is, you know, biscotti by itself is just instantly popular. And a lot of people know that. So like, I think for this approach, it's like, we're really promoting the cross, its lineage, not as much the actual name of guava bars. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's a one way to approach it. And 
like even if you guys went and you had like brand based names because you found a unique phenotype and you're able to go okay this is what it tastes like as long as the actual strain name is readily available to read with it i'm i like the brand names because this is where like as licensed producers you guys can show your creativity a little bit and have the fun with it as long as we know the actual genetic that's going in there and even if it's just the cross because that yeah. showcases more of the lineage like you're saying so yeah. either the actual strain name or the genetic cross you're providing enough information for that that the bud tender at least at this point can go and utilize the resources they have to get the information on it yeah Right. No, like, exactly. And that's what we're seeing too, is like, just as long as we're providing the lineage, you know, then it doesn't, we don't have to like stay by the book of like, well, we're going to call it garlic cane, you know, but people were hesitant to try garlic cane. Another one, I mean, the buds were beautiful. They were big. They were just caked and trichomes. And it was a cross between GMO and slurricane, two of the most popular strains out there. <laughs> Yeah, and, and honestly, that one, you might be better just putting the two genetic crosses on because people look at it and go, oh, I recognize GMO, I recognize slurricane, let's try it. Yeah. Or you find out what the, what it tastes like and then you put up a totally unique name. Yeah. Right? So that there's no connection and people are going in and then they have that almost that recollection, that memory. And then you get that type, like there's so many different ways that you can approach it. Yeah, where if the information is still there, the people who are looking for it will get what they want, and the people who don't care, that are just going by names, well, they're going to get what they want. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think I think moving forward, we're going to have a different approach to some of these, uh, you know, new genetics as we release them. We'll really take a look at some of the names and be like, mm, I don't know, you know, if if this is going to be the most appealing name to market. Yeah, um, but we are pretty excited about uh, about guava bars. It's uh, very smooth smoke. I don't know. It's got this kind of baked aroma meets like a very kind of tropical ripe type of smell. Hey, I, um, I would almost expect a little bit of the um, that kind of sweet cream cheese dip you get from and fruit platters to play mm -hmm. through there, depending on mm -hmm. how the turps develop and the yeah. flavonoids, everything develop in the cure, just yeah. with that cross, because there could be that kind of richness to it, right? Like there's so many different ways it could go. That's the fun yeah. part about, about this plant is you can sit here, you chop it, you chop it down, you can be guessing one way and it turns out a completely other, right? Like right now, I, I have a pure cheesy funk coming from the meat breath that's growing. And it's at really? like about halfway through week five. It's starting yeah. to get that kind of sharp, gassy, a little bit more of that kind of meat pungence. But okay. it's been like a funky cheese for about a week and a half. And I've been liking that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I remember when we were first growing meat breath and like when we were getting real close to harvesting it, you would walk into that grow room it was crazy. It, it, it was kind of like a beef jerky pepperoni type of smell. It was like, how is this cannabis? <laughs> well, and whenever I describe the flavor to that, it's just Brooklyn pepperoni from Domino's. Just peel the pepperoni <laughs> off. That's all it is. It's just that's that's my best way to describe it 
especially yeah. through the bongs, because that's all I got. I gotcha. And everyone's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, like, it gives you that kind of greasy taste, and then you get that pepper-enrich kind of oomph at the end. Yeah. <laughs> then they try it, and it's like, oh, okay, I kind of get what you mean. Yeah, you know, now that I think about it, part of the um, part of the problem I think we had a little bit with meat breath was the COA never tests tested very high in terms of THC, and that's always like another uh, you know obstacle that we have to overcome as an LP, you know, because the consumer sees twenty percent on the bag, right, and they're like, oh well, it must not be very good. It's only it's only twenty percent, and a, they don't know that LPs can just shop around to different labs to get the COA that they want. <laughs> and B, it's like, just because it, you know, doesn't test, test high on THC doesn't mean like the terpene profile and the rest of the cannabinoids aren't going to slap. Because I remember meat breath put me on my ass a couple of times. <laughs> I was just going to say that, that honestly of all of your genetics that's the one that consistently hits the heaviest and maintains a high the longest yeah and it's 18.6 i think is the average yeah. thc that i was smoking on it yeah like, and that's because we we felt like we would go to a very trustworthy legitimate lab i'm sure if we would have sent in some of these other ones it probably would have tested 25 26 you know but <laughs> But, and it's and it's depending on which buds you send in too. Because if you're sending in nothing but your best buds, you're gonna get your highest scores. If you're sending in a little bit of a variety of them, you'll get a little bit more of an average score, right? Like there's there's different ways of approaching your testing to whether you get your genuine THC or whether you're getting your shot THC. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I wish there was a little bit more regulations around these labs. To be honest, you know. Oh. Or even just have, uh, that would be interesting to have which lab gave you the THC percentage. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. then that, it wouldn't be necessarily companies on blast, but you would kind of, smart consumers and bud tenders would be able to start putting two and two together. <laughs> right. I mean, I have de I, one genetic where it was like, came back like 21. Another one where it came back like, 30 32 <laughs> it was like, like what is going on here you know like i i can understand I mean, two to four percent at the most if i'm a consumer and i'm seeing someone posting 35 36 i'm like where did you get your lab from like what is that <laughs> like i'm i still get excited anything between 22 and 26 i look at and if it's a good genetic where i'm like okay that's pushing the upper echelons of what that lineage has to offer yeah i'm excited i'll because that's yeah. the first thing i go and do i go and i try and find two or three different seeds that give you kind of a rough thc if it's two percent over that i'll believe that that percentage is within reason yeah because it's a rough estimate that they give you a two percent sure Anything yeah. more than that, I'm questioning something until I smoke it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and there's some, there's sometimes where I've smoked a 30% strain and I felt it. And it's like, oh, this is 30% THC, but it is pure THC. 15 minutes later, I'm rubbing my eyes and I'm just like, oh, that's just nope, not great. Nothing. 
not fun. It's not, it's not like fun experience. Right? Yeah, like it's, it's, it's not balanced. It's not well-rounded. It doesn't have something to offer your body. It's just hitting the gas, open it up full, burn it out, and then you start all over again. And we've never been a company that really harped, or we try not to be a company that really harps on THC. We've always on our packaging included total cannabinoids as well as total terpenes. Because to me, it's like the terpenes is really going to dictate the type of experience that you're going to have with the smoke. Well, from day one, you guys had that on your packaging with the color bar, right? That was one of the yeah. first things I noticed was the color bar. And when I pulled it up, I was like, oh, shit, that's the actual terpene balance. Then I started comparing it and I started showing customers that. And I was like, like even if it's just you like natural history, even if you just need to see the bags, just so you can go, oh, that's the color that I like. That's yeah. almost full. That's the strain I'll get. Because when there's new genetics coming out, that's how we, I had like half a dozen older ladies. That's how they'd pick the new joints they would try is literally by looking at that bar going, oh, that color and that color, I don't like when it's high. So I'm going to say yeah. no to those ones, but I'll try that one. So, yeah, exactly. You know, you're, you're learning your terpenes with whatever recognition you need. Okay, good. We, uh, yeah, that was like one of the, the main prerequisites when we were trying to develop the identity of, of natural history and like what we stood for and what we were trying to convey to our, our consumers. And like the master grower and our chief scientists, they were just like, we got to stress how important terpenes are when it comes to selecting like cannabis and the type of experience that you want to have. Um, it's interesting. Like we're starting to see other brands also start to pick up on how important terpenes are. I wouldn't be surprised if some other companies start throwing something similar on their bags in terms of like terpene bars. Seems to be, seems to be the, uh, the thing that we've noticed is like, we, we'll do something and then like a couple months later, we'll see some other folks out there. And I don't know, it's, it's fine. I mean, as long as the, the market starts to get educated and you know, I guess to say imitation is the best form of flattery. So we're cool with it. Well, and I, I, that's, that's the thing is I've always for the terpene side, the total cannabinoid, cause I, I totally forgot about that. And that's something else that I've always had is kind of, this is what we should be having for information. And then I, you guys were that. And then was it, Oh, I'm trying to remember which company it was that did it first. Oh, fuck. I can't remember, but the full bag on the back with the full information. Farmstead, I, I want to say, but I, I don't know if that's the right name. Like a, a full COA almost? Yeah, on the back. Yeah. And, then I, and then I know like Joy's ended up including that on their ounces on the front of the bag, right? Like a lot of the companies have started to incorporate it, but that was your guys' terpene and total cannabinoid. And then the next big one was that almost full COA master grower, harvest date, package date, all yeah, of that information, that, which it. That, that would be the ultimate goal, not to include package date, but to include harvest date. Yeah. Uh, if we could get to that point, that, that would be, you know, the, the ideal situation. But, you know, we, we, we hear our customers, like, you know, we understand that the, the bags, you know, they're not the best option in terms of trying to maintain freshness and bud structure. But at the same time, 
you know, people complain if you raise prices. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword here where, trust me, like the buds that I get to see, you know, like fresh, like they're so beautiful and just caked. They're just so frosty. And I'm like, how do we get this into the hands of the consumer? But then, you know, they, they go into the bags and they get tossed around in shipping containers and, you know, they get, they just get overhandled and then they get beat up along the way. So we're, trust us, we're actively looking to figure out like how do we get just the freshest quality product into the hands of the consumer. And unfortunately, there's just like so many steps in middleman that it has to go through. Well, the easiest way for us to get that flower into people's hands would be to go and change the people's minds in AGLC that are against a farm gate setup. Because once we had that, then the, if they shake the shit out of it when they're traveling home, well, that's on them. <laughs> but <laughs> realistically, that would solve like the smaller producers 90% of the problems if we could open up farm gate level access. Yeah. But yeah. that's uh, that's a totally different conversation. But yeah. like uh, some of the companies when it comes to like the packaging and stuff, they're moving to like those auto cure, the grove groove bags, grove bags. Have mm -hmm. you guys taken a look at those to where you're maybe doing your final cure in those bags and sending it out so that you're getting the because they're like the mylar bags mm -hmm. but they just have um a little bit more breathability through them so you can actually finish your cure or do your full cure in them interesting i have to chat with our, our ops team to see what kind of things they're looking at you know like we've always been trying to figure out how to do you know nitrogen zeal yeah. like a nitrogen zeal like that would help definitely maintain some freshness um you know so it's you know it's one of those things where I, I I'm more on the marketing and branding side as not as much on the the operation side yeah. but I feel like those that's been a, a main point of like trying to figure out how do we make this better and you know we're a small LP like right now you know before we do this merge with with Agmedica I mean Atlas is around like 55 employees so it's not like we're like some like so people think for some reason we're like some huge LP. It's like, no, we're I would consider we're pretty small, like small to medium. Well, yeah, it's that it's that kind of almost craft plus category that Edmonton has an abundance of where like you have the craft mentality and approach to the way you're growing cannabis, but you're plus size. You're a little bit bigger than what a true craft room would be like partake is a true craft they've got two flower rooms like they're yeah. they're almost into that micro size right yeah. that size smaller yeah right and if we had that then you guys would almost fall into more of that craft size with your facilities right like it would with and that type of definition is something that we need to have clarification on in this industry because there is so much because ontario's got the closest thing to a definition to it and it's how you treat your plants is it not well, somewhat, but then they also take into account uh, growth space, canopy space. So oh, if you're they above, do. If you're, a, I think it's like above a certain canopy space as well as like certain amount of kgs that you produce a year. So if you surpass that threshold, you're no longer considered craft. Yeah, and I um, like, I would agree that a certain yield per year that you that you bring to market 
is where you get deemed a craft, right? Yeah. Canopy space, well, if you're growing out a shit ton of clones and you're doing cloning and stuff like that for others, and you've just got one flower room and you're bringing kind of test strains to the market, you're still a craft company at that point for the cannabis side of the market. Yeah. I mean, I'd say most of our, our techniques and, and methods are, are craft. Yeah. <laughs> However you want to like meet the different definitions, like that's, uh, yeah. Well, that's and, a <laughs> and that, and that, and it's, and that's where like for you guys on the marketing side makes it tough because you can say, well, we use craft-based techniques. Everyone's yeah. got a little bit of a different understanding for that, where if we had some kind of definition of where, okay, well, at the minimum, we are doing this. Yeah. And then like within the Alberta regulation or even Health Canada, why they go, okay, these guys are craft technique or craft approved or whatever until you guys produce a certain amount. Yeah. At the minimum, we grow our own weed. <laughs> we phenol hunt our own genetics. <laughs> you know, a lot of consumers don't realize that some companies out there are nothing more than glorified marketing companies well like they don't, they don't grow their own weed well there how many companies out there only touch the finished product and i'm not going after the concentrate production production companies because that's a totally different realm your yeah, yeah. your raw product which is the actual cannabis flower side is our finished product our finished product is your guys equivalent to seeds when you're in the extraction <laughs> when you're in the extraction side so this doesn't really relate to you guys but how many people are buying finished product putting a brand label on it and selling it as just because yeah. they're doing the sales amendment yeah so like there's more than one one way to skin a cat but you know at the very least we're like well we we grow our own weed and we hunt our own our own genetics <laughs> oh exactly and that's that's a huge thing having your own genetics based out of there because you're you've got at that point with year five coming in and year eight coming in you'll have companies who've lasted from years one two to really develop their own kind of flavor and profile of what they grow right yeah. like i know when i'm picking up natural history i'm anything on the cookies genetic or anything on that kind of cushy side I know is going to be rich and heavy. It may not give me necessarily the fruity flavors that I'm looking for, but it's going to be that kind of heavy, dank, cushy smoke, which I like nine times out of 10. Like there's very few times where I like that fruity variation over that super dank. Yeah. That's what's crazy. Like, you know, our, my LA Kush cake, right? <laughs> it's, it's tried and true. It never disappoints. Exactly. And that's exactly it. Like it's not, the sweetest cook cake, kush cake on the market. It's one of the heaviest hitting kush cakes for my lungs. Like I cough every single time I take a bong rip off it, but that's not a bad thing. It's just a heavier, denser, danker smoke. Yeah. It hits and holds though. In comparison to the birthday cake from Freedom, which is the heaviest hitting birthday cake genetic that I've come across. Oh yeah. Right. And for cake based genetics, those two are the best that I've smoked on the legal market side are actually two of the top five that I've smoked for majority of the cake-based genetics I've had. Yeah. 
but totally different profiles. Freedom was way more sweeter. Didn't have it, that super dense, dank flavor that the LA Kush gave me. Different genetics, yeah. but also different grower, different pheto hunt, different flavor that they're chasing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even some of our genetics that uh, we've had, like we've lent out, you know, doesn't come back the same when it's grown at a different facility. No, well, you can get some totally different color presentation just because they're running different temperatures at different points in the grow or they've got different nutrient systems that they're running right like it's that's when i'm running any of my regular grows i do living soil and i do a remo based run because they're totally different smoking a living soil versus a remo and the yield's completely different. And I'm just curious to see which one runs better because sometimes the genetic likes that nutrients. Sometimes it likes the living soil. So are you growing anything right now besides the meat breath? I've got one triple scoop from 34th Street Seed right now in flower that's going to end up being as big as the meat breath when I flip it. Um, that's going to go over into my flower tent once I get the meat breath finished off. And then I just did a bunch of autoflower seeds because i want to do a little bit of an autoflower run with uh some cronks nutrients i want in a giveaway so yeah. i'm going to go and do my living soil in comparison to some cronk nutrients the bonnie and clyde that he's got that's super cool yeah i i love the the culture at our facility like the especially the cultivation team they're always like trading cuts of things that they're growing at their house and stuff like that it's just super cool to see like, you know, the, those, that team at the facilities, they're just, they're just very passionate about what they do. And I mean, honestly, like they're like the backbone, right? W without them, like we have no brand. We, you know, I always say it's like they, that they deserve like all, all the credit to be honest. Well, exactly. The, the, the growers are one of, as much as the bud tenders are the most undereducated for the available of access to education nerds out there growers and the supporting people in the post-harvest side are some of the most underappreciated and under-recognized people in the industry because yeah. they're just there right like the master growers get some recognition and you're starting to see it a little bit more but everyone outside of them are getting like next to nothing unless the master grower or somebody on the team is saying something. So yeah. we definitely need to, to recognize that there's people involved at every stage of the process. Yeah. And they, I mean, they, they work so hard. Like it's, it's not easy work. It's not like this sexy glamorous shot. Like you're out there working your ass off, you know, harvesting a plant. <laughs> well, exactly. Right. Like you're the, the, amount of time bent over the amount of time under plants the amount of time just doing not necessarily heavy labor-based work but just tedious and body labor-based work like it's it's heavy on your body like yeah. it's it's not easy work cultivating and especially post-harvest it may not be as demanding physically but it's still demanding mentally you've got to focus on what you're doing especially if you're hand trimming. Yeah. Like I do it for two or three hours and my eyes and my head are 
done. <laughs> There's people who do it for eight. Yeah. For five I days a week. Two. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're um, dealing with way more than, oh, I'll deal with my six nicest buds first. So when I'm prime and I'm paying attention, I'll save my popcorn nugs to last for when I'm, eh, if I'm not quite paying attention, I lose a little bit while well, I lose a little bit. It's not the nice buds. They're working on top buds all day long. Little <laughs> bit of a different story. Yeah. You haven't, so you've never been out to our facility. No, I haven't been able to visit your guys' facility yet. All right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll try to make something happen for you. Yeah, definitely want to come out and check out that facility. For some reason, I thought you guys were down in the Red Deer area. No, no, no. We're from, um, I'd say from like, if you use like West Edmonton Mall as like a reference point, we're probably like 40 minutes from there. Yeah, it's not, it's not too, too bad. I was, I did a bunch of refing like in on the Enoch Native Reserve. I was refing hockey there. I've been out to Alberta Beach. I've I've put so many miles <laughs> between yeah. just commuting for work and events and stuff like that, and then hockey. And then when I was working EMS, it was ninety percent of the job is driving. So, are you uh, mainly focused on uh, Edmonton, or are you going down to like Calgary or Red Deer and stuff? I've been um, down to Calgary and Red Deer actually a little bit more often than I thought, but Edmonton's kind of my primary. I, when I like, if I'm going to the city, I'm going to Edmonton, just it's two and a half hours away for like any of my growing based stuff or any of like the bulk purchases that we need to do. We're going to the city and I'll be going to Edmonton semi-regularly now through the next couple of months, just to help my mom after her surgery with her shoulder and stuff. So are you still working at a, at a dispensary or are you doing your own thing now? Uh, so the dispensary that I was working at got bought out by Canna Cabana and that didn't end that. Well, that ended relatively quickly and I've been out at my local golf course for this summer season and I've got a couple of weeks left before that's getting to an end. So just starting to look for a winter based job right now mm -hmm. and getting some other stuff sorted out. Well, that's cool now that you're just out here networking in the, in the cannabis community. You know, it's, it's not as big as people think it is. Like a lot of people know each other. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a bad move on your part to just be out there, just seeing how you can bring together the community and the cultures, right? Like, I, I feel like we've always been a brand that's seen the glass half full you know, and just looking for ways to like, how do we bring in more people and, and grow this thing together? Because, you know, I, I think like we have to start uniting and and showing that like, hey, we need to help one another because the big guys are out there. The big guys want to come for us. So, you know, I, I feel like there needs to kind of be a sense of like, you know, local should support local. <laughs> well, exactly. And that's, and with, like me being at the dispensary that I was at for three plus years, being able to do what I, like, I was incredibly blessed. I'm going to recognize that. Like, I, like I had a huge opportunity. I took advantage of it three years, being able to help curate the menu within like 
within six weeks of me being there, I was getting asked, well, there's this, this, and this, which one do you think would be selling better? Like, like that's not a regular turnaround within a dispensary. Like I went yeah. from being a maybe two days a week to almost full-time hours within about three weeks, just because yeah. we had a huge staff changeover. Like it was a lot of moms at the beginning that didn't realize it was going to be, I like, I came in young, hungry, edu- like learning, educated. And, and it was just like, Oh, this is more than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe we'll just let somebody who wants to be here, be here. So they just kind of, yeah, I don't need this one day a week. I'll go and I'll go back to the old job. It's a little, I can do what I'm doing here, but right. And then it grew into the opportunity that I had. And within there, I was an advocate before, and I kind of started my red and leaf before, and I blew it up while I was at the dispensary during the, especially during COVID, the lockdown, like there's nothing better to do than create seven days worth of content for people to enjoy rather than at home, right? try to grow yeah. the community a little bit and lately i'd say probably well especially since the canada cabana buyout and all that shit i realized that the only way that we're going to compete against the companies like that and the bigger guys and especially aglc and the government is by reaching out and introducing people in the right way and introducing people to the smaller companies and almost not necessarily creating brand loyalty, but creating, like you said, that community, that relation, that local helping local. It's like, instead of, okay, let's bring you to the dispensary for you to learn about cannabis. It's, hey, there's an event going on a grow up. Let's go see how those guys are doing. Let's hear the growers talk about what they're doing with the plants. Because yeah. all of a sudden, when you have a sample of a joint, they've just heard somebody talk for 45 minutes about why they care about what they're doing. They're talking about their plants. They may have, because some growers may name their mothers and right like that genuine connection with the plant and their entire environment. They might go, well, I'll take a sip off that joint. Cause it's not just, Oh, well, it's fucking weed. It's, Oh no, this person genuinely cared at the plant and they're standing there talking. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah, well I'll, I'll try it now because it feels more like a community that there's no consumption stigma there's nothing like that there that type of environment is how we're going to introduce people who are interested in the smoking side of it yeah yeah i mean we 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 did a good amount i'd say of, of local events where we weren't necessarily the ones putting it together but like you know um at the the craft you know, the, the craft uh, restaurant in downtown Edmonton, I don't know if you've ever been to it, but, you know, it's a, a really nice brewery where, you know, our, our business office, we're all like, you know, marketing and sales and stuff is located. It's like right across the street from the craft. And so we see those guys all the time. And, you know, when they're like, you know, we should do like a, a bud tender meets uh, bartender event. We'll call it buds versus suds. And it was age gated and it was cornhole tournaments and we were giving out you know, prizes and people were having a great time. It was like, it was a, a great Sunday fun day. Yeah. Um, you know, another one was like, uh, somebody was hosting disco at the park and that one was age gated, even Armstrong cannabis, this local dispensary, you know, they were taking on-site deliveries. And so we were just out there supporting, like, you know, handing out free, free samples for people to try, you know, 
we had like LA Kush cake on us and Supreme grapes and people were loving it. You know, it's like, that's a great vibe for, for festivals. And I, I hope that like <clears throat> the government opens up to allow cannabis companies to do more stuff like that. You know, I never understood like why alcohol can do whatever they want, but cannabis is like, no, no, you guys can't be here. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly where I was, where I was trying to go with the, reaching out and trying to go to outside of events too right like exactly what you guys are doing like that's i didn't i didn't realize how active you were within edmonton and that's probably because i'm not yeah. in the edmonton community where yeah but that's just huge you, like having that interaction there is, yeah. is you'll have people that'll have that outreach where it's like oh there's like i like we were saying there's more of a community it's a little bit more welcoming and you're getting the information from the people who grew it or are directly involved in supporting the growers. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've seen recently, like we've been posting a lot about these collaborations with artists that do sneakers. Yeah. We had the, we had the Supreme Grape sneaker um, and the LA Kush Cake uh, uh, vans. Well, that's just the local artist right here on 124th Street, Atomic uh, Tattoo. Oh, awesome. And, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that he uses a lot of cannabis because he had an old basketball injury where he like really messed up his elbow and he tried LA Kush cake once and was like, hooked. <laughs> like, that's all the guy smokes now. Nice. Uh, and like, he didn't know who we were. He just like, liked the brand. He loved the genetic and then got introduced to one of our sales reps. And that's how we started chatting with them. But, you know, like. A lot of our guys are into tattoos and into hip hop and into street art. And this guy just, he just vibed with us. And we're like, hey, we got this idea for a sneaker. Like, do you know how to do custom sneakers? He's like, yeah, I got you, we can do that. And then he just, you know, produced these amazing, first it was an Air Jordan one purple for Supreme Grapes. And then, you know, he took a pair of, of all white bands and made an LA Kush Cake sneaker that we're shipping out to a store. and. In Vancouver and so like that's another thing is like we, we like to connect with you know even local artists you know the things that we like we try to promote and and like introduce you know the the market to like somebody that's doing dope things you know I feel like there's always like a, a connection with cannabis it's like oh you you like tattoos and you like cannabis like okay we need to chat <laughs> yeah and that's and it seems like that might be the route for the cannabis marketing and kind of industry right now, where it's that collaboration with people who have another kind of large audience doing one-off things where it's that kind of promotion because the restrictions keep it handcuffed. Right. But the creativity that we're going to see when like you see more companies kind of hop on that bandwagon and see what you guys are doing like the skateboards and yeah stuff like that right like i've heard i've heard of a couple of other ideas being floated out there for something to have like competitions for dispensaries so that they can ship something out like the sneakers or the skateboards to a dispensary and like hmm that's that's interesting that i'm hearing those conversations now and then thinking back you guys have had like two or three renditions of it already well, like, you know, my, the LA Kush Cake background that you see here, um, that was just, we found <laughs> that we were having some tacos on a taco Tuesday 
at this local Mexican family-owned restaurant and the artwork on the wall was like really good. It was like, you know, Mexican day of the dead, sugar skulls type of artwork. Nice. And I just asked the kid, I was like, hey, who does all the paintings here? Like, they're really good. He's like, oh, that's me. It's my family's restaurant. And I was like, I got an idea for a skate deck. The, the cultivar is called LA Kush Cake. And like, that's how the conversation got started. You know, so it's just like finding like these, these awesome artists and just figure out a way to, to collaborate with them. Um, like even, even next week, uh, you know, the largest tattoo expo is in Calgary. Uh, it's, you know, I think it's October 14th and um, Atomic Tattoo has asked us to join them for the adult night because the adult night is age gated. I feel like I'm giving away trade secrets to my competition, but whatever. We always do things first and then people copy us. But, you know, it's like people that are above age, there's usually, you know, people that like tattoos tend to like cannabis, yeah. you know, hand in hand. And like, here's an opportunity for us to promote an Alberta event, being an Alberta producer, just handing out samples and prizes and stuff like that and just engaging with the community. Rather than going and spending thousands of dollars at some cannabis expo where we're like one of a hundred LPs, right? And people are like, what do you got for me? What's free? Well, and that that's the one thing that I will say from Grow Up. I met a lot of people. I got a lot of business cards and I'm not gonna lie, a lot of people who gave me business cards, I remember and I can recollect the conversation a lot better, but there was lots of weed being handed out. I don't remember 90% of who gave me what, unless it was something specific that it was, okay, I want you to try this for this reason. I smoked it usually the next day in Ontario or wherever I was so that I could tell them what I was feeling, right? Like those, those cannabis events are great for getting some exposure, but there's so much being handed out that unless there's something like really, really interesting, yeah you're not gonna make a dent you're not gonna really like turn eyes we we tend to be the we tend to be the kids that you know are like hanging around the back we don't actually go into the class <laughs> and we're like come out like we'll invite you to the after party and we'll smoke you up type of thing i don't know it's just some of these some of these expos they're just so overpriced you know you're like why am i spending that much money for for what like i'd rather take that same money and give it to in samples to like the fans you know yeah and, and like especially when it comes to like cannabis based events these generic just kind of reaching at everyone at the industry trying to pawn as many people as you can that are just generally interested like me i like those events because i've got a general interest in everything i want to learn about everything so it's beneficial for me to go there. I could sit at almost any panel and enjoy it. But yeah. I'm 0.1% of the population, if that, that yeah. genuinely has an interest in almost everything. Yeah. Where, not to say that all of them are bad. There's some are very well put together. But I'd say the majority of them are not. And they're asking for ridiculous sums of money. And you're just like, what is this going towards? Oh, exactly. And that's exactly where I was going with it, where you have a few that are a little bit more directed in like their approach. Like if it's a growers based conference, it's not going to benefit you guys setting up a table. 
but showing up at the consumption lounge, handing out some samples, visiting, being aware and just present. Yeah. That that's beneficial enough, but that's something that's going to cost you way less than a table. Right. And then there's say a bud tender or a consumer based focused event. That's where you guys would see huge benefits setting up a table because you can actually sit down and problem solve people who have had issues with certain genetics of yours, or they've had an issue with a product, or they just want to come and learn about it, or they want to come and visit with you because like that tattoo artist just fell in love with the LA Kush cake, wanted to come and meet the people who put it together, right? Like there's different purposes behind events and we almost need to focus them a little more. Like we need to have bud tender consumer based events where it's education and entertainment based for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're a hundred percent all about that, right? We, we love the bud tenders. We understand their role in the community. Um, But it's just like, I just don't like to play the game the way the big guys do. So like, if I'm going to be part of something, I try to make it outside the box. Right. It's like, Yes, I want butt tenders there, but it doesn't need to just be like your traditional pop-up or something like that, you know? Let's figure out a way to bring in different parts of the community together and have a good time. Yeah, exactly. And that's like the Collector's Cup was actually a really interesting point for me because there was like quite a few people being like, I would say about a half a dozen that weren't regular consumers, but they showed up to learn. Yeah. They showed up because they're like, oh, this is a place where it's people explaining cannabis that have an appreciation for the entire process. Yeah, yeah. Right? That was huge. That was like one of the coolest notes that I took away from that was that there's people there, like nurses and that are just like, yeah, I just I just want to learn. I'm just interested. That was uh, definitely one of the like the the funnest times we had and it was just interesting to see you saw everybody that was like an Edmonton grower like coming yeah. right and it was hilarious to see like people walking through like the trails by the river valley and there's just like this huge cloud of smoke coming from from the cabin and they're like what is going on at that event <laughs> oh I I posted a couple of pictures with a LinkedIn um article I did after that event and you can see just this looming cloud because I was standing on the patio and I got it right over the river valley. And it's like, yep. <laughs> that was awesome. I, I, I'm a big fan of what, uh, what Canada Reps is doing in the community in terms of educating, you know, the bud tenders. I mean, honestly, the, that weekend they were hosting a Somali course. And uh, we went just, for the most part, out of curiosity, we were like, wonder what these guys are teaching. You know, like, what does it mean to be a cannabis sommelier? Um, and our, our chief scientist, Reed, uh, he went. And let me tell you, that first 15 minutes of the class where, you know, people go around the room and introduce themselves and talk about what they do. And so it was Reed's turn and then he just laid into the instructor about like all these different things that in terms of judging at the collector's cup that he didn't feel like were an accurate reflection of how you should grade cannabis. 
And it was so interesting to see these two guys go back and forth. But by the end of the course, they were really good buddies. Uh, Rodolfo, I think is the yeah. instructor's name. Rodolfo and Reed are, are good buddies now. And Reed's like, yeah, I actually really like the things that they teach. I think, you know, it's a good foundation uh, for a bud tender to, to understand all the things that they're, they're teaching. Um, so yeah, we, we recommend to any bud tender to, uh, to take that, at least the, the level one course, like you'll learn, you'll get a solid foundation. Well, and that's, and that's exactly it. It changes the way that you approach your smoke. That's, that is one of the, like my whole review scale. And I told Adolfo this when I was there, cause that was my first time being able to meet him and Julia and um i think it was axel's the, the other one other gentleman yeah. I didn't meet. but him and mark uh, adolfo and julie have been apart since the beginning and i've watched their like first chronicle based videos so when i was just building up my herbage scale and my review based system i was watching their reviews not their reviews but the, i was watching them break down their review system and i was like okay that's a good standard to have. That's my baseline. And I've used that for like anything that I bring in. It's like, am I going to be able to keep it clean? Am I going to be able to have a consistent judging for it? Am I, and I used their platform and I was able to talk to them about that there. And it was interesting how a lot of people have kind of come in and used it just like you said, as a baseline, mm -hmm. right? Like it's that perfect introduction because it slows you down when you're consuming. Yeah. You're, you've got five steps before you light up your joint. Yeah. Right. Like it's taking that 15 minutes of appreciation before get your body prepared for that. Right. Like it's, I've, I always enjoy a plant way more or a smoke way more. If I take the time to enjoy the sensory to enjoy the bud, to enjoy the grind, the feel. Yeah. Jot, jot down some notes. I mean, because honestly, like that's the approach we've started to take when it comes to releasing a new cultivar to market. Because, yeah, you know, you can read up on the lineage and, you know, so you can say these are the top dominant terpenes, but I think it's so much more helpful when you've actually tasted and tried the product to then write notes down about you know, what the dry pull was like and what the taste was for the entire smoke and what the effects were. So I think it's way more helpful when we're developing our, our marketing assets. If we've actually tried the product before we start going to build creative assets to help promote it in, in the market. Well, exactly. If you're, if the way you're basing your description for your genetics, for consumers or for people on your website, is based off of just oh super lemon haze and jet fuel gelato crossed uh, i think it's going to be gassy and lemon <laughs> thanks yeah <laughs> i, I could have made that guess myself right you're not doing much for me yeah but if you go and you go initial flavors are going to be more citrus a little bit of heavier gas pull when you get into the middle you get a little bit more of a woody earthy tone and then you get a lot of just kind of a, a raw kind of earthy dirt flavor near the end. I'm going to look yeah. at that and go, oh, somebody smoked this and they have an idea of what they're talking about. Right? Like that's, you don't need a crazy long half hour video like I upload. <laughs> Literally need about 15 extra words other than it's going to be gassy and lemony. Yeah. 
I've, I've started to implement a rule of like, oh, you want to try this new uh, genetic thing we got? You got to fill out this questionnaire if you want to try it. Yeah, it's, and it's not a bad thing. And what's funny is some of the people who have next to no experience with genetics can sometimes provide you with the best description of what they're smoking. Yeah. Right? Like it's it's odd how like the freshest palate, palate to cannabis and the most experienced palate to cannabis are your best people to figure out what this strain tastes like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my guys on, on Guava Bars, he had an interesting comment. He's like, smelled like grandma's cookies coming out of the oven, you know, like smelled like just something freshly baked coming out of the oven when he opened up the bag, you know, but everybody had kind of a different nose on it. You know, it's interesting. You're going to get a wide variety uh, of, of smells just depending on, you know, who the person is. Well, it's like the, um, oh, the cactus breath genetic you get oh, yeah. like, every different variation that i've smoked of that there is not one that is i would say comparable to another like yeah. they are totally unique to one another and that's Did you ever try our um our acdc cookies it's kind of our cbd dominant flower i didn't we, we never had it in flower so and i didn't want to pick up the pre-rolls i i wanted to try that one but i just i yeah. had a hard time i I still have a hard time buying pre-rolls. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's probably one of our most unique cultivars that we grow. Because when it's in the grow room, I don't know if you ever saw this video that we posted, but like we have a, a video of, you know, somebody's glove dry and then they go to just kind of lightly press on the bud and it's just so greasy. And uh you know, it's just so dense and purpley and like, you're like, this is a CBD dominant flower. Like, yeah, it's crazy. And I think it, in a pre-roll, like, because it's so greasy, we found that the pre-rolls, you have to light like more than once. Yeah. That's, the, the flower is just so greasy. <laughs> that I was, I was just thinking, I'm like, what was, what was the biggest complaint with the ACDC cookies? Yeah. That needed to be relit. Yeah. As you soon as you said, maybe it's because of its genetic, the CBD that you know just causes it to be that way. Or well, maybe it's just like you can't cure it the same as the rest of the flowers that we grow. Well, and it might just it might just need a little bit of a heavier paper so that it's burning a little bit hotter so it burns, right? Because it's yeah. that's the one thing with it, just because it's that yeah. that greasiness, right? That not necessarily um super sticky tacky but just that kind of wet finish that it's gonna have some needs a little bit higher temperature to burn and boil that off right i always thought it was a great i call it like a beginner weed you know people that are kind of apprehensive or they're they kind of paranoid to get too high like smoke some acdc you'll love it <laughs> yep i i like comatose was one of my other favorite ones to introduce people because it's got especially when you can find it with that like three percent to six percent thc range yeah. just enough to experience it but not enough to get you high but yeah. it gives you that nice we wheelchair feeling where you're just sitting in a chair and you're like fuck i can't get up <laughs> right like it's it's not that i'm dizzy just your body does not want to cooperate with your mind at the moment yeah 
Um, trying to think what else we have new coming down the pipeline in Alberta to get you excited about. Um, so you're you're mainly a flower guy, not much on like the the vapes extract extract side of things. I enjoy the extracts. Like the way I describe it is, flowers my workhorse, extracts are my dessert. Right, okay. like I enjoy them as a treat, but flowers always gonna be my go to. It just it holds, it hits better. Just medicinally, it works better for me. I got you. Yeah, because I I don't know if you know this, we've harped on it a little bit on like our social media but we're we're gonna get away from the 510 cartridges we just feel like it's there's too many problems with the cartridges in terms of leaking and you know unless you have a good battery and being able to get our our turp sauce at the right temperature setting um so we've teamed up with this technology vape company called airgraft um and we're one of the first i think we are the first lp um launching one so we're going to fill the pods they're the battery technology but it's a closed loop system oh, and nice. just a way better vaping experience um you know like all our guys have tried it they're in love with it they're like i'm not going back to 510s anymore and we're trying to come out at a one grammar at a very competitive price to compete with some of the distillates out there but it's not distillate it's still going to be you know um terp sauce um, I can't, I don't know if I can say which cultivars we're going to come to first, but that is like a new technology that we're, we want to bring to the Canadian market just because we don't feel like the 510 is the best representation for, for our extracts. Well, five, the 510 market is one that I don't think is ever going to die, but like distillate, it hit its peak. People are getting tired of it. People yeah. don't want to pay the money to get into the packs. Because yeah. it's it's not just, and this is one thing that I don't think consumers understand is it's not just money for the consumer to get in, which is the smaller side of the money. You guys have a huge price point to pay because you've got to directly work with packs to get your your actual rosin balance properly aligned so that it works with their pods, and then they've got to figure out the way that they're going to brand it and go through. So. Pax is the middleman on that one through and through. Great yeah. system, love their batteries, but they got a pretty good market hold on what they're doing there. They make yeah. money on so everyone. We, we realize it's it's going to be a challenge, but you know if, if we get people to try this aircraft technology, oh. like we're really confident about it because like even our guys were skeptical at first, and then once once we created our formula and put our turp sauce into it, they were like. Yeah, I'm never going back to five tens. <laughs> and, and the way the way that that happens is if you can get the batteries in the hands of the bud tenders, they'll be willing. To, and the car if the cartridges are comparable and they're not worried about the cost of the battery or if it's going to come with it. Yeah. Right. Like if you can make an affordable way for it to come with the battery, that would be an unbelievable setup, especially if it's a one gram base. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's what we're working on right now. Is uh is getting that sweet spot around around the price point. It should launch, um, say like mid to late November in Alberta. Nice. And um, for sure, I know with certainty, LA Kush Cake will be one of them. Um, 
and I'm, I'm not 100% on what the other cultivar will be. Well, the ACDC cookies would not be a bad option once people have the battery in hand, there's some demand for it. And because at that point, once they see the quality of it, then it's like, oh, new genetic. Yeah, sure, we'll try it. And then that'll catch them on because a balanced concentrate is, is I don't know how many times I talked the old stoners into trying a balanced one-to-one based like yeah. live rosin or full spec cart. And they come back and they're like, what was that one again? I'll get, I'll go back to it. It's like, Dude, yeah, absolutely. it's got, it's got full spec. It's everything you want. It's just yeah. stick with it. You, you can just keep, you know, hitting it throughout the day and you don't really have to worry that you're going to get too baked. No, honestly, the ACDC in, in a vape is probably one of the best tasting vapes I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah, man. So how does this work? Do you like just post the whole video or do you kind of chop it up into different? Um... So like I'll go and I'll kind of find a good entry point in the beginning and then I'll mm -hmm. clip that. And then like our whole kind of main conversation, I'll just rock that. And then I'll find kind of a good kind of ending point and clip that. And then for ones like this, where I do that, I do a little bit of an introduction, a little bit of an exit and then throw my end cards and stuff up. Gotcha. Well, was there anything in particular? Like, I feel like this was just like a cool conversation, but I don't know if there was any particular topics or stuff that you wanted to know more about that I could, you know, shed some light on. Um, nothing that I can think of right now, man. Like this was awesome. Just like having that ability so that people know that you guys are somebody that they can just reach out to if there's something going on going, hey, we've got this event going on. Are you guys able to come out? That alone is going to help this community because it like if I known you guys are able were like that and I was hosting something, that's a huge benefit and a win for me just because it's like, oh, well, if that's company's comp coming and I do, well, natural history is going to be wandering around. Come check them out. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's that community building, that community engagement. Right. You might catch one other person who'd be interested in coming to that event. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's stuff like that is huge and then just the that general conversation about the industry is what i want to do because there's a lot of information out there that bud tenders just don't have access to and especially for someone like me who's not in the city because that's mm -hmm. where a lot of my thought goes to for this little bit more of like the general chat and information they don't get access to it because there's no facilities around them. So they don't get to go to the facility tours. They don't get the exposure to stuff like that. So they're like year one, day one bud tenders when they're three, four years in the industry. Right. Yeah. Like there's, and that's one thought that I see because I would say I'm on that border of being sit close enough to the city where I have easy access to the events, but I'm mm -hmm. far enough out that, you, like for you to come to slave you're not making a purely slave lake trip we've got three <laughs> we've got three dispensaries it, it it is we serve maybe 15 15 to twenty thousand people at our peak and that's when we have heavy oil field workers in here so yeah how much of that population is coming in to smoke that don't have their own supply that they're bringing in and stuff like that right like it just doesn't make sense now you going up to grand prairie totally different conversation 
there's I, I believe there's almost 20 stores in that in that kind of 45 minute area yeah yeah right so it's slave lake doesn't see the national sales reps we barely see sales reps in the area and it's just because fee, like feasibly it's not really affordable to send someone up to this area regularly so yeah, yeah. you go for you go farther north there's even less access you got to go five six hours north of where i am eight hours for you are you making that trip for a two thousand two thousand person population there may be serving 200 people that's a tough call i mean especially when you're a smaller lp like us right like we'll try our best to go to different events you know, especially if they're in Edmonton, but you know, where again, there's not that many of us. So people reach out all the time to have us come out and like, I would love to, but you know, it's, you know, especially if it's like some small city, like in Ontario, I'm like, I don't think we'll be able to get anybody out there. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly why like these kind of lighter conversations where we don't necessarily go heavy into a specific topic, but we kind of just touch on little things it's hugely beneficial for those people who don't have that exposure don't have that connection because now they go oh well if i've got a question i'll just shoot natural history a message on instagram or i'll yeah. send them an email because i know they'll get in contact they'll work with me they'll maybe be able to help me build something up so that i can educate my consumers right just having that yeah. that face to go behind who you're reaching out to or that confidence that, oh, they're a company who genuinely cares. So let's go reach out and make that happen, right? Like that's and for the most part, like, I, I'm always paying attention to what people are, you know, posting or reviewing about us on, on social media platforms. You know, and if somebody's showing us a lot of love, like I'll be like, hey, what's your address? I'm shipping you like a hat or something, you know, something to just show them some love. But there's even retail stores like, you know, out in the middle of BC where like, I'm not going to be able to get to them. And if I do, it's going to be like maybe once a year, right? But they show us a lot of love and they're, you know, posting about our products in their stores and, you know, I'll ship them like a display kit or a skate deck, you know, because at least at the very least they're showing us love in their store, you know, and, and there's a, a good number of examples where we do that. Like we might not be able to send a sales rep to you directly because it's very difficult for us to, but, you know, I'll, I'll ship you a package with some goodies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, and that type of stuff is exactly how this industry can support its own to start with. Because yeah. right now with, well, this is all kind of stuck around the handcuffs within the marketing and that type of topic, which is a pretty good topic because yeah. that's something that a lot of people don't realize is how many difficulties there can be with, that growth in the knowledge. And if a dispensary is being able to share that and get a bunch of knowledge and support for your brand out there, they're doing so much more in that local area than you could think to do with what your, what your social media has access to right now. Because we can't do paid advertisements in a certain area with Facebook. We cannot yeah. do anything along those lines. So that company is doing it for you without the payment. Yeah. Sending them some swag. It's a pretty cheap way of getting that brand support to continue to happen. And they're doing, and they were doing it already. Yeah, I know hundred percent. I, I love seeing, you know, our, our natural history hats and just random places. I saw somebody like they were like in, 
they were, I think, like somewhere off the coast of Italy, and they had like their natural history. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, that's awesome to see, you know? Yeah, I think I saw you guys repost that. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Right. Like it's, yeah. that's, that's the type of thing you want to see is you want to see these little craft companies pop up worldwide with the merch and the lighters and stuff like that, because it's right. Yeah. Like that, if you brought a natural history hat with you to Italy, probably means something to you. If you're rocking that on the plane or yeah. halfway across the world, right? Like it's not just a on the wind thing. Yeah. I'm waiting for the day where that happens where, cause I'm, normally decked out wearing something natural history brand related and waiting for the day where I come in a different country and someone's like natural history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the ultimate goal, right? Be recognized by a brand out of country. Yeah. The only, the only story I think I could recollect that was really funny where it was like, we just identified the brands was I was walking through downtown Edmonton in the ice district by the hockey arena and uh you know i see this guy rocking a hat with the with the gray beard logo <laughs> big thick beard nice and i uh i call out to him i was like gray beard and he sees my hat and he's like natural history and i was like hey i like what you do he's like i like what you do <laughs> and uh that's how i first met bubba <laughs> nice yeah. yeah my my closest one to that one is um actually this past summer there's we have two rodeos that happen in small little communities about a half hour outside of slave lake so i was at the canuso rodeo in july and i was walking because i was helping do the fireworks there because they i'm my dad's good buddies with the guy who does the industrial fireworks around slave lake so i've been able to go and help set up and and fire off those fireworks for the last three or four years out there setting up for that it's dark and I'm walking down. I just hear right of the leaf. And I'm looking over my looking over my shoulder. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, am I hearing shit? Whatever. And I just keep walking. I'm, I stood stood there for a second, waiting to hear it again. Didn't hear anything, so I kept walking. I turn around and I come back, and I hear it again. And then all of a sudden, I'm just swarmed by about 15 kids that are like 18, 19 years old. You're the smoking dude on Instagram, right? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> And there's there's one guy that recognized me, but he just brought his gaggle of friends and just. <laughs> I think he saw one or two of my dab up videos from like a year and a half, two years ago, and he remembered those. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh. oh, good stuff, bro. Oh, it's awesome having you on here tonight, man. This is great. Welcome back, you guys. And overall, I think that was a great podcast. It's a little bit of the shorter side of things lately, but still a lot of great information, a lot of that introductory information, like I mentioned in the intro for this video, you guys, and podcast. But overall, I want to thank Christian and Natural History for what they do. And like I said in the podcast, the... Uh, growers the cultivation teams the post harvest teams all of those guys i really want to send some appreciation and love out your way because you guys are a little bit of the forgotten crew in the industry so with that being said thank you all for being part of this and uh, we'll see you guys next week with another episode of the bud tender series but for now up in the corner is going to be my logo please hover over that click that bell notification after you subscribe so that you get notifications anytime one of these podcasts, one of my reviews, or we hop on for a live stream happens on YouTube. And then 
bottom two videos we have for you. One's the most recommended, the other one's the most recently uploaded. Please click on either of those and anything else I have to offer under Reddit Leaf. But for now, you guys, cheers, and I will see you in the next one.